Welcome to Season 2 of Pasco Podcast, a series where we discuss leadership and public service. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the 550,000-plus residents of Pasco County, as represented by the Board of County Commissioners. It's through their trust and empowerment of our workforce and leadership team that we're able to bring you this podcast. We created this podcast to help public servants build leadership skills and leverage them for success by sharing the experiences of our peers. Hi, I'm Dan Biles, and welcome to our 14th episode of Pasco Podcast. Join us today is our Utilities Director and soon-to-be Veteran Services Director, Rob Marin, and then our Utilities Engineering Director, Charles Cullen. So welcome to today's show. I uh, appreciate Thanks, you Dan. joining me today and uh, look forward to kind of having a conversation about leadership and public service and, and some of the things we do here. So let's just get started a little bit with, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then how you came to Pasco? Sure. Uh, my name is Rob Marin, as Dan said. Um, I've been with Pasco for six and a half years. Um, I was in the military for 30 years, uh, originally from California, and uh, joined, been in the Navy for 30 years, and, and I retired and decided to, my wife wanted to come to our hometown, so we came to Newport Ritchie and soon got a job here at Pasco with utilities, and I've had a great time here. Now, so let's be specific about the Navy time. You actually captained the ship, right? Yes, sir. I was a, I like to say I was a sailor, but uh, <laughs> I, I was given the opportunity to command two ships. Right. So okay. I was very, very proud of that. Yeah. And I know we've had some conversations outside of that and how that influences your leadership style and, and, and whatnot. Yes, so, so Charles? Hello, I'm Charles Cullen. I've been with the county also six and a half years. I think Rob beat me by a couple of weeks. Um, the, uh, prior to that, I was in the consulting uh, business uh, in utilities and served a lot of utilities uh, on the private sector. And um, really like that ownership that the public sector got to have of, of those projects and, and owning it and directly serving the, the citizens. So, right. And, and so. how kind of the utility system impacts the whole community, if yes. you will. So, yeah. all right. So it, kind of as we get into this and we'll kind of bounce around and, and talk through things, uh, tell us a little bit about your leadership philosophy and kind of how you lead teams. Either yeah. one. Oh, I'll, I'll start. Yeah. So I, I think the biggest part is, is communication. Um, the, it, it comes, it's the hardest thing we do and it's the most important thing we do, um, because the folks know what they need to do. Um, they're, they're all professionals and, um, and so our job is basically to, um, give them the tools and ability to, to, to do what they're capable of doing. Um, and then you have to be really adaptive. I don't, I don't think there's a single way to, to lead people because even within the organization, you have to adapt to where you are. And level of maturity of, as an organization, as people, as, as, as you coach them. Right. So, no, no, really good. No, so, uh, communication is, is kind of a key, right? And we're a large organization. You, you all both run large pieces of that. Uh, that's one thing we can't do enough of and never seem to ever do enough of, right? And, and the, the, People think communication, I got to be able to explain things properly, but it's the listening part that, right. that's very important. And I can kind of give you an example. If, 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 um, let's just say Dan's my friend and I'm talking to Rob and said, Dan's really been helping me out, you know, I'm in, in a hard time and he's a great friend. I'll take a different scenario where Dan does the exact same thing, but I have no problems. Uh, um, life is good for me. I asked Rob, you know, Dan, Dan has been asking me if I need help a lot. Am I doing something where it looks like I need help? Right. It's kind of odd. Right. He went from a great friend to someone that I'm a little bit concerned about. Right. <laughs> and, and, and even as leaders, that's very easy to do if you're doing the exact same right. thing. 
No, that's a great example. Great example. Thanks. Rob? So I agree with everything Charles said, um, but as far as myself, I'm all about proficiency and and being efficient. Um, And if I had to narrow my leadership uh, philosophy, of course, being a military guy, I'd have to say, I have to, there's two answers. There's a tactical (laughs) answer. On the tactical side, I'm a intent-based leader. Right. But in order for that to be successful, your folks have to have the right tools and the right training. Otherwise, the bad decisions can be made. Right. And on the strategic side, uh, my goal is to be a transformational leader. Um, you want to inspire my teammates to perform at a higher level, to seek uh, a higher sense of being. And so that, that's my goal. My goal right. is transformational leadership. Right. Yeah, and that's uh, you know that's, that's a great 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 goal, and not easy to do. Right, right. I mean, exactly. it takes a lot of effort and, and work, and and some of it not even directly to the issue. Right, you kind of have to work other means to get there. Correct. Um, so as you went through your career, how and when did you kind of think through and decide you know I, I really enjoy leading teams or leading people, and I want to be a leader. So, for myself, <clears throat> as a kid. I, uh, I really enjoyed reading uh, books about war at sea. Right. And I really enjoyed John F. Kennedy books, you know, being a young naval officer to, you know, his adventures as a OIC officer in charge of uh, patrol, patrol craft and all the things he did out there and inspiring his team. And so as soon as I graduated from high school, I joined the Navy with a sailor. Soon after, uh, received a scholarship to go to UCLA got my commission. Shortly after being on a few ships, I, I realized command at sea is what I wanted to do. I wanted to lead sailors on a ship out at sea. Right. And, you know, and ship captains are kind of this unique thing, right? Because there was a time at which the captain went off and you n- never heard back from them, right? Until they came back. Correct. Right? The communication we have today is completely different. But Navy captains still have a lot of that autonomy. Still do. Yes. It's... Sometimes it uh, could get to your head, <laughs> but uh, you want to make sure you stay focused on, you know, the real goal is you got to take care of the little guy. Right. Yeah, that, that front line, that front line employee. A lot front. of, you know, mothers and fathers are trusting you to take care of their 18 and 19 year old. Right. And that should be your focus. Yeah, no, that's great. And we, you know, while that not necessarily 18 or 19 that people are trusting, we still have people's family work for us every day. And so we still need to treat them the same way. Right. Yeah. So, Charles? Yeah, I'd say, you know, entering my career, especially being in, in, in what we call, um, I almost call it multidisciplinary um, engineering, um, in that you're working for a utility, but you have folks that specialize in structural stuff and, and automation. And, and this is hot, highly specialized things that you almost speak your own language. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're, you have a, a shared vision, a, a shared project to work on, but you're very different people, and, and you need to pull that 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 together and 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 have a group success. And I think going through that that effort early on um, and enjoying it right. is, is part of what. So and and engineers are a little different kind of people to deal with, right? We're and I can say different. that as yeah. an engineer, right? Yeah. yeah, and 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 that goes back to the communication being right. artist. You know, that's that's not our. Uh, we're not known for being the best at that. No, there's so. a reason I'm an I, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so. So in, in terms of leadership, 
is you kind of look back on your career and where you've been, what's kind of been the large, biggest influence? Who's been the biggest influence and how have they impacted your life and what you do and how you lead? So like most of us, you know, our parents are our initial influence. And as I mentioned later on, as I was growing up, uh, reading those books on, on John F. Kennedy. And later on, as if anyone knows me, they know that I always have a, always have <laughs> oh, wooden the wooden pyramid. pyramid of success nearby yeah, yeah. and his book on uh, observations of life. Right, right. I always keep those close. Um, and, and I think all of us would love to be that charismatic leader like Sir Richard Branson, who can, you know, but not many people can do that. Right. But if I had to pick one person, um, I would have to say uh, President Lincoln. Okay. I mean, he he defined transformational leadership. He, you know, he was the perfect leader during a very difficult time. Um, you know, as a transformational leader, you got you have to listen, listen, listen. You have to adapt. You have to inspire, and very important, you have to hold people accountable. And he was able to master all of those tools. Yeah, he definitely held people accountable. Definitely. I can't remember how many generals he went through. Correct. You know, and you know, Ray, reading Doris Kearns' book, uh, Team Arrivals, you know, one that's, you know, I don't know, a couple inches thick. Excellent book. But excellent book on all the details and how he led as president, but also before then, right, in his uh, development over his career. Correct. Um, so now that's, yeah, usually, uh, you know, I'm always, I don't know why I'm surprised when people say it's one of their parents because that's the the biggest influence in our life for the first, you know, 16, 18 years of life or longer. Um, you know, but yeah, Lincoln is uh, one definitely look to, especially reading some of the great history on, on how he led people. And so Charles? Uh, I, I also turn to kind of history um, and, and less so individuals than I, I like to look at the, uh, a more group dynamic and, and group leadership. And so I, I think back to the founding of, of our country. And, and and right now, you know, it's very common to say um, the servant-based leadership is a new concept. And it may be in business, but um, let's compare that to, to what was the what was the kind of um, a battle cry, if you will, of of the revolution? And it was no taxation without representation. And what did that really mean? That means someone far away is trying to tell us what to do. They don't know what's important to us. Um, but it wasn't the tax. I mean, we still have taxes now that we're arguing about, you know, what's the right level and stuff like that. It was, think about where we could have been if instead of you're going to pay this stamp taxes, you know, other taxes and you're going to like it, we have this amount of money to, to raise because we got to have all these things functional. How do you think that we should do this? Right. Would we even have a country now? You know, it's kind of interesting to, to, to look at that, that dynamic. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, you mentioned servant leadership and, you know, when, when manufacturing became involved in the industrial revolution, we kind of went away from that in, in industry, right? Everybody just became a piece of the machine. And, and we've seen on the business side, you know, a, a re, re-engagement of how do we engage our people? They can think too. They're not just automations on an assembly line. Uh, but outside that, Small business, other organizations have always really used the servant leadership model, although they don't necessarily call it that. Correct. You know, and we don't necessarily call it that a lot here because I don't like necessarily the buzzword. Yeah. I like all the attributes, right? Let's act like that. And then people say, that's what you do as opposed to that's what I do. Now let's go see if I act like that, right? You know, and so, no, I, I really like that because that's kind of one of the models. And you, you get that a lot from history. And you go, 
any book. And you know, I'm not sure we have many charismatic leaders here. I don't I don't put myself in that category. You know, and you know, I, I mean, I, my in my vision of the charismatic leader is uh, Patton. You know, and and how he did it. You know, and that's just a different style from the way we operate, right? right? Not not that it's wrong. It's just different, right? So, um, so as as you look back, kind of on your career, uh, what are some leadership lessons that you'd kind of like to share? Uh, some successes you've seen and challenges that you've overcome through through good leadership. So, <clears throat> on the varsity level of leadership, um, you don't really learn or know a leader until the shit hits the fan, right? It's it's those are the times when you really learn about a leader. A leader, you can't when that happens. You you can't let your your troops see you sweat. You can't panic, and you have to trust that all your training is going to be put to good use. Uh, probably one of the best recent examples in a movie is uh, Greyhound with Tom Hanks. Wow, just some great examples. Here he is, a young captain leading a convoy of ships across the Atlantic and in his from his little destroyer he's getting a fight with a torpedo fight with multiple submarines and of course every great battle has to be in rough seas right of course <clears throat> and you can see him make these decisions life and death decisions and every every once in a while he'll glance back and you can see the troops in the pilot house all all eyes on him cuz they realize you know the captain's not panicking. If the captain's not sweating, things are going to be fine. And so you, that's a sign of a very, very good leader. Um, other examples, well, lessons um, from, in my humble opinion, is at, at a very young age, I learned that you have to keep a folder of leadership nuggets. And this is my leadership <laughs> tool, leadership <laughs> toolbox that I keep now. And every time you hear, hear someone about a leadership nugget or you read something or you see something, I just jot them down and I toss them in my, it used to be a folder, but now it's a metal box. And then whenever I have a chance, I get down and I add it either to my philosophy or add it to my personal standards on, on how to do business. And that has helped me because there's been several times where it's not going to be the perfect scenario when you get to a leadership, leadership position. It's not going to be when you're, Rested and ready. It, it may be, you may be tapped on the shoulder to get in the game and, you, and you, you've got to make the best of it. And you can't start getting ready when you're it's time to go in the game. You've got to be that backup quarterback that's ready to go. When, when the coach sends him in, the, play, the entire playbook is open and he's going to be playing like he doesn't want to give up at that, that position. Right. So you got to so, be. So, so build the muscle memory, the leadership muscle memory, exactly. if you will, so that when you know, the situations are there and you can't, you know, you can't think, they, they come naturally because you have the muscle memory there. Right. Yeah. So yeah, another great Tom Hanks movie is Saving Private Ryan. Correct. You know, where, which that's a tough one to watch, but it is really, really good for that. So, um, so Charles? Yeah, I would say, I'd say uh, one thing that I, I think is important and I, I see in, in folks that develop themselves, because that's the hardest thing, you know, it's, it, it's, Sometimes a challenge to coach other people, but that's self-reflection and saying, hey, I need to improve on these things is quite often difficult. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why, but um, and challenging, especially commonly held beliefs. And I'll give you a specific example. Um, 
I don't micromanage is a very common phrase. Substitute that word micromanage with train. Right. Because a lot of training and onboarding is very micromanagement level and it's very necessary. So, you know, I challenge anyone to say, when someone shows up to the job, I'm not going to show them where to file things. I'm not even going to show them where the restroom is. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a micromanager. And, right. and that's easy and there's comfort in there. Now, that's a very simple example, but there's a lot more complex examples that we need to always challenge ourselves and make sure we're, we're developing this. Right. Yeah, I was uh, working in an apartment, uh, my first local government place, and we had somebody come in to try to help with leadership and uh, streamline processes. And, and she, she made the statement, people only learn here by running into the trees. And what she meant by that is nobody knows the right processes to do anything. So you only learn by doing them and then doing them wrong, which is the wrong way to do it. You know, we didn't have any SLPs and so we had to develop a lot of that stuff. But, you know, it's just that point of, you know, you let people learn here by running the trees is right, not the right way to, to do it, not the right way to train. Somebody needs to know that stuff, you know, and then there's a, transition period out of that right i mean there was a when i was an engineer young engineer you know my boss would review all the detail right and then there's the more i did it the less he'd review and the less he review and then one day i'm just stamping on myself right? he wasn't reviewing anything you know so there was a processor to do that um so kind of to think through that a little bit um you know we had to deal with something that was pretty unique a couple of years ago when the pandemic hit Right. And we're still at the tail end of that. So how did that, none of us plan for that. I mean, we plan for hurricanes here and we train for hurricanes and we deal with hurricanes, but none of us. So how did, you know, the operations, you had different issues to deal with in operations than you had in engineering, right? Two different ways to work. So how did, how did you work through that from a leadership perspective? So initially uh, working with Charles, we, we, we executed like it was a hurricane. At the very beginning, we manned our folks in our utilities EOC, and we just worked through the issues on, on how to properly keep our folks safe while also serving our customers. Um, came up with some great ideas. For example, our customer service, uh, the way we handle customer service now, you know, some, some, some uh, ideas that were brought up by the team were now using those as business now. That's our business process. Um, and we've taken surveys and our customer service surveys have actually improved. Um, our troops perform magnificently out in the field. They, you know, they perform like it was a regular day. Um, our engineering team, our inspectors, we, we brought in the right folks. We took the proper precautions in the office. And I think, uh, I think the team performed Extremely well. Yeah, because at the, at the end of the day, it didn't matter what happened, we had to deliver clean water to our customers. Because if, if we don't have clean water, we don't have a county very long, right? And so you know, I could we could have let a lot of other places things shut down. We couldn't shut down that, right? So, And I would say, you know, on that, that gets back to maybe the muscle memory of, of the team knowing what they need. Um, this is a unique situation, but they're used to that. Um, here's what I need to be successful in my job and, and teaming up with it to get the, the, the WebEx and a lot of those tools so that we're still in the same level of communication that lets us be successful. But, but there was no 
now I've got to ask for things. That, that was part of the routine. That, that's part of how we do business. So while it was a unique situation, the, the, the steps that took to make it successful were, were not unique at all. And right. that's where the team really excelled. Yeah. So a lot of the muscle memory from the leadership and then how to work together and collaborate and make sure that we're still delivering the product to our customer that they not only need, but demand. Right. You know, so no, it's, it, it's, it's great. So as, as you work with your team, uh, and as you move on and, and through different stages, how do you continue to build your leadership skills? And then in both professional and personal, how do you continue to build those? I'd say that the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, we, we have some formal training and stuff. Um, I'm kind of a hands-on guy and, and I think we're very lucky to have, um, type of organization we do the most I learn is, is from my colleagues uh, you know whether it be other directors managers there is so much information there there's not been a time where I've said hey I have this challenge and we've had plenty of challenges and how how would you handle this how do you handle this and and, and the, the knowledge is there I mean it is it is absolutely um it's awesome to see. Right. Because you know, we've thrown some crazy things at y'all yes. over the last few years, right? <laughs> yes. You know, we've acquired a utility system that wasn't necessarily on its best legs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're growing, you know, like crazy, like corn, uh, that you have to deal with, right, from both an operations perspective and from a development and construction perspective. So, so not a lot of rest time. Correct. So... And as far as myself, <clears throat> it's no secret that I'm I'm not a young person anymore. I'm uh, <laughs> getting towards the end of my working career. But I've had the unique opportunities of uh, before you go to command at sea, the Navy allows uh, the prospective captain to select any training or leadership schools that they would like to attend. So you get – I picked uh, University of Virginia for a two-week seminar on leadership. Fantastic opportunity. I also went to the Naval War College uh, for a couple of weeks of not only do you listen to, to leaders and you read about leadership, you get quiet time to, to work on your philosophy and how you want to run business. It's just, it's, a, it's time that you won't be able to, to, you know, buy back. And so I am going to use those opportunities plus my experience and work with Looking forward to my my new team of um, veteran service officers. You know, listen to how they run business, and c- combine that with my experience, make incremental changes to improve how we manage and help out our veteran veterans and their families. Um, so I'm going to use the, that experience. Yeah, and so you're going from you know. Um area of our line of business where we have to deliver clean water and then we clean up wastewater and deliver reclaimed water and all the, all the other things we do in the utilities, which are vitally important. And you don't have a city without that or a county without, or, you know, urban development, residential development without that to serving our veterans, another group, a community that is vitally important to the country, uh, in, 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 in a team that has actually performed pretty well. Correct. And, and done a lot of pretty tremendous things over the years, you know. And so, um, one, we're glad to see that transition. Not, not not to see that you leave utilities, but to see that you're staying with the county and to help in another area and to continue to serve, you know, our, our residents. So, um, If I could say one thing about utilities, I, I just, uh, you know, the six and a half years with utilities, the troops, the, my colleagues, just 
it was a fantastic opportunity. I'm very proud of everything we accomplish. You know, I've got to thank uh, Bruce and Mike for giving me these opportunities. Well, let's don't thank Mike. Okay, <laughs> we can thank Mike. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm just so proud of those troops. They're, they do they, great work. They do fantastic work. They do fantastic work. I mean, I think we all did a customer service survey not too long ago and just got rave reviews over the work that they do. Yes. Right? Um, you know, and Charles, you talked about communication, and that's kind of the hardest group to communicate with, right? Those frontline troops that are – that are really the vast majority of our organization and the ones that actually touch more of our customers than anybody. And yet we have, we have to continue to work on both listening to them and then making sure they understand what's going on too. So, um, so how do you, as you're working through your team, how do you raise, you know, young leaders and new leaders and develop them, uh, in, in help them grow into their leadership skills and leadership's abilities over time? So, for example, in utilities, you know, we developed, you know, working with the managers, directors, and the troops, uh, we developed several programs from our operator training program. Um, but the finest example is probably our supervisor training program, because we found that we were sending these young, very energetic, dedicated folks from the field to all of a sudden they were supervisors, and they may have not had this, this, the necessary skills to succeed. So we brought them into the classroom and we provided you know, training from um, more experienced supervisors. We provided uh, you know, academic books and uh, videos. And it really, we really uh, saw an improvement in our, our young supervisors. So that, is very, that, that has helped a lot. Um, one little thing I tell my young officers, supervisors, is I always tell them, Always, and it sounds silly, but it, it has worked. Always check the most remote bearing. And that goes for both material and for your, your troops. Talk to the most junior person to see if they're getting the message. You know, the communication that Charles talked about earlier, you can communicate, but if it's not getting to the most remote bearing, if, if that remote, remote, most remote bearing is not getting the grease that it needs, then the maintenance is not being done. But if, if it, if, you see the communications getting to the most junior person or the grease is getting to the most remote bearing, then you know you've got, uh, you've got a good ship or you've got a good uh, organization. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Now, uh, kind of build on that, a lot of those programs, and we're putting a lot of effort into um, secession planning now. And, you know, traditionally you think of that as, okay, we need the, the next top person or whatever. But that really has to emanate throughout the whole entire organization all levels and, and having a pathway um, that these folks are, are demonstrating that they're capable, they're putting the effort into um, bettering our organization. And so we need to, to have that pathway for them to um, rise with their, with their successes. Um, it is somewhat of a challenge and especially in a technical group. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of engineers happen to be introverts um, and that can be mistaken from Someone that's an extrovert and and clearly shines. That doesn't mean the introvert that's keeping it inside is any less valuable. They may you know they have just as much to bring to the team, and and, and that's again where it's incumbent to meet them at their comfort level and, and help coach them to the level of success that they're capable of. Yeah, no, and you know, well, every introvert needs to read the book Quiet, you know, about introverts. Now I can't remember the author's name, but really, really good book. 
and extroverts need to read it too if they work with introverts, but really helps explain what goes through our brain sometimes and, and how to help get that out. So well, on the positive side, most of our, a lot of our great leaders have been introverts because they're very right. good listeners. Right. Yeah. Well, and listening is a, a vital skill to that right. too, right? Is, you know, be able and not to just hear the words, right. But to be able to, to hear what the meaning behind the words, right? which is why I, you know, really, I mean, WebEx was great tool, uh, but to totally rely on that with meeting with people is, was a challenge because, you know, so much of our communication is nonverbal and you just don't get that in a virtual environment. And so, in fact, I had a meeting earlier today and, you know, somebody asked me a question, I gave an answer and they had two different responses. They heard two different things, two different people, because one was watching me when I said the answer and one was not, not good or bad. It just, my body language was was they you were, they were able to interpret what I meant by my body language as opposed to not being able to see what I said, right, or or how my body language acted. So so important to lead, listening and leading and you know just to jump back a little bit on the you know you mentioned micromanaging and I'm gonna pull a John Wooden story because one of the stories that sticks out of me in his book is about teaching the players how to roll their socks and put their socks on. You know, that's not micromanaging; that's training, right? But that was how he started every every year, you know. And so, training is such a vital piece of that. Um, and, and part of that's where are where are you in the organization, and, and you know what kind of leader did you hire into the positions, and kind of where do you put the guardrails on, right? And so that's that's going to be different depending on where you are in the organization. Correct. You know, that's so adaptiveness. Right, that adaptive piece. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we we're all different. We have to be led in different ways, right? So, um, I was listening to a story with uh, Bo Bridges, actor Bo Bridges. He actually was on the UCLA team back in the early 60s. And first day of practice, learning to put socks on. Right. 25 years later, he took his son to try out for UCLA, went to the first practice, and they're, they're putting their socks on. And he's like, 25 <laughs> years later, you still haven't learned anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there was a reason he won, what, 10 championships? You know, and yeah. it was all that, you know, that repeated behavior uh, that he did over and over again. Great, great, great leader, great book, great coach. Uh, so as kind of as we wrap up, any tools, wisdom you'd like to share with our leaders that, or listeners that you just kind of didn't get a chance to talk through yet? I can't stress enough having your leadership toolbox ready to go. Um, you want to be ready day one. I've seen it over and over where very competent folks are going through their career, get a leadership position, and then they, they decide, okay, now I got to learn to be a leader, and they're just not ready. You right. you want to see that? You want to be running right at the beginning, right? Well, and depending on where we are in our careers, we may have other leadership positions outside of work before we ever get them at work, right? You know, as a parent, you know, a lot of us become parents before we actually have leadership positions, you know, in the in the in the job world, and yet you're a leader. Right, or you're a leader at church, or a leader with scouts, or a sports team. You know, so it's not just, oh, now I got the title supervisor. Right. Right. So, um, Charles, I just say, you know, it's always important to keep in mind what what you're leading is the what and the why, mm -hmm. the the mission and why we're doing that, not the how. And, and that's a very common. I got to be a leader. I've got to I've got to be a trailblazer, if you will. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. You know, your team will help you get to the destination if you clearly um, define what that is. That why, right? The why or, yeah. or the intent, is, yes, as correct. you mentioned. You know, the, um, 
And the great thing about here, we have a great why, right? I mean, we serve the community, create a better future. And, you know, when I talk to newcomers, our newcomer orientation or whatever, it's everybody that works for Pasco County has the ability to prove somebody's life that day, you know, during that eight hour, 10 hour, 24 hour period, depending on, you know, where you work. And so that's, you know, that's such a great why, you know, we just make mistakes when we, we stray away from that why. You know, so it's natural to get to the how, though. You know, I think right. that's part of natural life. And I can tell you that I apparently do not load the dishwasher properly. <laughs> so I do not load a dishwasher. <laughs> so I mean, that, that's, the, that's the danger of getting into the, the how. The how? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm with you on some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I appreciate it. Well, thanks for stopping by. I've got a little, a little thing called a lightning round. So, you know, some of these questions I repeat and some I don't. kind of just depends. But really a chance to get those that listen, a chance to know you a little bit better. Um, no right or wrong answers. Uh, so I'll start with the traditional, the office or parks and rec? For myself, definitely the office. Okay. Parks and rec. Ah, see, there we go. We're split. Yeah, you'll Keith will appreciate you more now. Uh, dawn or dusk? Um, I'd say dawn. Don? I'm without a doubt Don. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you'd have to be, right? Correct. You know, so, um, so what's the place you most want to travel right now? So if I had had the opportunity, I would definitely go back to Palau. Okay. It's by far my favorite uh, destination. Scuba diving is out of this world, and it's basically untouched. Right. Yeah, so it's some some World War II wrecks there too, and yes. some that's drift diving, right? Correct. Yeah. I've had the opportunity to take two ships there. Okay, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we spent some time on Guam, but never got to plow. So, so I spent a little time this summer driving by myself from Tampa to Seattle. Oh, it wow! It was a long drive, and uh, I flew back though, so it was it was it was a good. Um, but of all the places I stopped, Colorado was. Absolutely beautiful, and mm-hmm. that's where I would go back to. Yeah, what part of Colorado? Um, the uh, I went up the eastern part. You okay, know, um, Denver and Denver was beautiful, <laughs> and and then, the front uh, slope. So, yep. Yeah, no, Colorado's gorgeous. The, well, the mountains are gorgeous. Yes. Um, whether you're in Colorado or Montana or Wyoming, the mm-hmm. Rockies are just—it's hard to beat the view yeah. from different places there. So, uh, so what's your favorite season? My favorite season would have to be fall, football. UCLA football. Uh, I've seen them on the wall. Yeah. Especially a few years ago when A&M went to. So I would say uh, winter, but I've lived in Florida my whole life, so it's a Florida winter. (laughs) 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 All right. Um, So I I appreciate you all for being here. I uh, hope uh, I've really enjoyed the chance to, to talk some more about leadership and, you know, how we serve the public and what we do. And I hope you all have enjoyed it as well. I uh, especially want to thank our media relations team. They make this effort possible. And then thank you for joining us for this episode of Pasco Podcast. I'm Dan Biles, and until the next one. For more information on Pasco County government, please visit mypasco.net and check us out on Facebook and Twitter.